Welcome to lesson two of our Go 301 class. Last week we looked at the big picture. This week we look at a more specific picture of making disciples. Making disciples. By way of review, making disciples is God's call on each one of us, according to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I'm reading the text now. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But let's be honest. This task is becoming increasingly difficult in what Mark Dever calls the new age of the I life. Sorry, David, nothing against Apple. Today is the day of iPhones, iPads, iTunes, and let's just say the whole I life. By the way, I'm reading a quote from Mark's book on discipling. But is there any space in the I life for the we life of Christianity? At the heart of Christianity is God's desire for a people to display his character. They do this through their obedience to his word in their relationships with him and with one another. Therefore, he sent his son to call out a people to follow him. And part of following the son is calling still more to follow the son. Then, in their life together, these people display the we life of the father, son, and spirit. Together, they demonstrate God's own love, holiness, and oneness. His son, therefore, gave this last command before sending to heaven. Go and make disciples. The lives of these people, in other words, should be dedicated to helping others follow Jesus. That's the working definition of discipling, helping others to follow Jesus. I like that. Dever is always very succinct. Helping others to follow Jesus so that they become more and more like Christ in the essence of discipleship. That's how I would say it. Uh, in addition to the cultural difficulties the iLife represents or presents to those who want to follow Jesus in community, we need to ask, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does a Christian look like? Again, by way of review from last week, we have defined someone who follows Jesus, a disciple, as one who, <clears throat> a disciple is a maturing follower of Christ who is seeking to make disciples. Remember the portrait of the disciples. <clears throat> Maturing followers of Christ who are seeking to make disciples do what? They A, connect. Number one, connect. They are living constantly under the direction of the Word of God, the compelling love of Christ, and the control of the Holy Spirit. We're connected because God connected us. We're connected because God had mercy on us. But then we are to connect. I'm going to preach that this morning. We're kept in the love of God by God. But we're to keep ourselves in the love of God. That tension in Christianity between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Next, the disciple grows. We are becoming more like Christ in community and learning to exercise their spiritual gifts in the church and in the world. And finally, they're to go. They are learning to share their faith in word and demonstrate it in deed as they invest their lives in others. That's the whole iLife deal, investing our lives in others. We talked about that last week. That's, it's hard to do, isn't it? In the age of the I life, the we life can be challenging. It can be very challenging. Remember we talked about such a disciple is living a life that is characterized by several things. First, by living by his grace. We're rooted in grace. 
We're going to tease that out a little bit as we go on in this class. Next, they're living in the true knowledge of God. They're, they're growing in knowing God. They're living for His glory, worship, and glory. We were made to worship. You understand that? God, God made us to worship. So therefore, we're going to worship. You are a worshiper. question is, who or what will you worship? That's the question. That is the question for all of us. But we're all worshipers. There'll be people worshiping today at, at football stadiums throughout the United States. I worshiped yesterday at watching the Gators, the fourth quarter of the Gators. Sorry. Maybe I didn't worship. But there, it's funny. There's a fine line, right? God makes creation for, our, to, for us to enjoy. But then Romans 1 tells us what? We switch it. We start worshiping the creation rather than the creator. So it's fine to watch a football game. It's not fine to worship that. It's fine to want to succeed in life. It's fine to want to make money to provide for your family. But the, the line between that and then worshiping that, okay? It can be very fine. All right, next, um, living in community. So, so uh, this disciple that we've just, the portrait of a disciple, includes someone who lives in community. This is that we life that Dever talked about. Living to invest in others, the discipleship piece. Am I living to give my life to others? Quite frankly, this is the part that's so challenging to many, and it's challenging to us at Palm Vista. It really is, right? We can almost think, Lord, I'm just doing, if I can just make it, me, I'll be doing, I'll be doing well. But, you know, invest in others, disciple others. Hmm. But God does give us the grace for that because he called us to it. And then finally, living in God's world. We have a biblical worldview. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the doctrine of creation. We're going to talk about uh, life and, and you know, how, how do we live our lives. We're going to talk about the, the, the doctrine of Christ. We want to live in God's world. We want to understand how to live as men and women, biblical manhood and womanhood. We want to, we want to talk about how do we engage the culture. How, what, what's eth- what do ethics mean? We're going to talk about the sanctity of life. But today's lesson will help us with the tools God gives us to fulfill our call to make disciples. That is to say, followers of Christ who look like him. Our emphasis will be on personal discipleship. Though it is a corporate endeavor, discipleship is done at the personal level. That is to say, working one-on-one or in a smaller context of people like one's family, fellow church members, and new converts to see them and us mature in Christ as his followers. It's a corporate effort, one which our Lord empowers us for and encourages us in. For he is the one who calls us to make disciples with the gospel as we connect, grow, and go in him. All right, so let's look at some biblical principle, and then we'll drop down into some practice. Biblical principle, number one, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Paul writes the following, Him, Christ, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Do you see that? That's that's where Deborah, that's where many of us get this definition of discipleship. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, I love this, that he powerfully works in me. So I toil, there's human responsibility, but I do so with all his energy, there's divine sovereignty, that he powerfully works within me. Me, May we be like Paul in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, proclaiming Jesus, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom. Listen, and I would add, giving our lives, right? Because I can teach you something, but, and then you need to see me do it. 
And then we need to do it together. Some people call that coaching. Some people call that mentoring. The Bible calls that discipling. Okay? I mean, those other words are fine. But let's not disinvest the, the biblical world of discipling. Um, uh, we can bring it into some modern categories. But it's, it's really getting hands-on with, with someone. Bringing them into our lives. Stepping into their lives. That's what we're talking about. So that we may, what, present them mature in Christ. And we do it by all of his energy that he powerfully works within us. We want to equip. We want to train. We want to disciple others to foster multiplication. As we disciple one another to present one another mature in Christ. And we are making disciples who do the same and have the vision to do the same. This is the goal. As we endeavor to do this, it will be time-consuming, it will be messy, it will be hard. Uh, Just think of the areas you want to mature in. I mean, it's difficult, right? But it is something God will help us to do. Remember, the goal is not perfection, but rather direction. And at times we run, other times we walk, sometimes we shuffle. There are days when we are simply pointing in the right direction but seemingly standing still, or some days it's so hard we're on our knees or even on our face going, oh God, that's where I want to go. I pray for your mercy. And that's good. That's good. God wants us to come to him in those days, in those times of weakness and failure. He loves that. He's going to give us his mercy. He wants that relationship with us. It's at those times that, that the two scriptures, one I just read and the other one I'm about to read, bring such encouragement to us. The first one I just read, his energy, that he powerfully works in us. The second one is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. This is one of uh, my favorite scriptures in this chapter that is dedicated to the doctrine of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, after talking about the resurrection, after talking about the hope of glory, our hope, right? Because we need that hope. Because in this world, there's many non-glorious moments. But, but he talks about that glorious hope. And then here, here is the takeaway of 1 Corinthians 15. See that therefore? It points to something that precedes it. The whole doctrine, the hope we have of resurrection. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's a good one. Sometimes I can work and work and work and work and work. And I don't see much progress, whether it's in my marriage, my parenting, in my life, in my work, in my friendships, in discipling, and keep it in the church. But it's not in vain. It's in the Lord. It's in the Lord. It's in the Lord. Because Christ rose from the dead and promises us resurrection bodies in glory forever, what we do on this earth in him is not in vain ever. Not that I get my theology from the movies, certainly not from the movie Gladiator, uh, but he, he, he utters a line right before the initial battle of that movie. He says, men, what we do on earth echoes in eternity. That's true. It's true. Now, he was talking to them about being valiant in battle, and if they die, you know, they wake up in Elysium, and, you know, he's laughing. He's, you know, he's, he doesn't understand, but it is true. All right, what we do on this earth in the Lord does echo into eternity because it's in the Lord, and he's eternal. So, we remain steadfast and movable. We're always abounding in his work. And as the second scripture there informs us in Colossians 1, or the, that first scripture in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, we do it by his energy that he powerfully works in us. I love these two quotes. One from Corey Smidgen, uh, fellow pastor here at Palm Vista, and the other from the Puritan pastor, Charles Bridges. Corey said the following. I believe you have it in your notes. 
May we work as hard as we can by the power of Christ that he works in us to see Christ formed in others, that is to say, to make disciples. But may we do it in the knowledge that ultimately it is not up to us to build Palm Vista as a great church or make disciples. That's comforting. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Only he can change hearts and form Christ in us. He does use us to do this, synergism. But when we trust ourselves rather than God in this matter, we become intense and lack joy. But as our confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit to build Palm Vista and make disciples grows, so does our joy. May our leadership increasingly be filled with grace, humility, and joy. Now, he was speaking to leaders, but he's speaking to us. May our discipleship, may our followership, because we're all called to make disciples, be filled with grace, humility, and joy. I, I pray that for you. I pray that you would be filled with grace, humility, and joy. I mean, because it is difficult, starting with my own self, trying to make a, myself a disciple or be a disciple. But may, may we be filled with humility, uh, grace, humility, and joy. Charles Bridges said it this way in, the Christian, in his book, Christian Ministry. Ours is the care of service. His is the care of success. The Lord of the harvest must determine when and what and where the harvest shall be. That's a great quote. He's speaking to pastors, but he's speaking to all of us. He's the one that determines when and what and where the harvest will be. All right, let's go to practice. And here's where we're going to introduce a thought that is not new to us at Palm Vista, but I want to introduce it. I want to tease it out. Um, I wouldn't say we necessarily have all the structures in place uh, to do this. Uh, I think we have some. I think some of the structures we have in place maybe need to be tweaked, and maybe we're going to add a structure or two. But let me share with you a general way of thinking about this. And I'm, I'm speaking in terms of the one-on-one discipleship. I'm speaking in terms of that personal discipleship that isn't necessarily limited to one-on-one. I, I'm, I'm including maybe one in amongst five or six. Okay, so you get that in your head? It's not just one-on-one, but it can be like a, a group. All right, let's say a group of guys that meets on a regular basis let's say weekly, or a group of ladies that meets on a regular basis, let's say weekly. And I think often this works best in groups that are segregated by gender because some of the things that are talked about really are most appropriate in in gender-specific areas. So you got that idea? Okay. So as you have that idea, as you have the scriptures that we've been going through, let's look at some practical ways, some things that need to be in place for disciples to be made. So you understand, the scriptural principle, firm. We read Colossians. We read Corinthians. This is just, we're thinking together about some practices to help get that done. Okay. And we're doing so trusting in whom? Holy Spirit. Not in ourselves. But synergistically, he uses us. He uses our creative minds, thoughts, our bodies, our energy, our voices, whatever languages we speak. Yeah, he uses all that. So, small groups. Small groups that perhaps would meet, maybe, on a weekly basis. Small groups that would take time to invest in sort of a five-pronged approach. That five, by the way, borrowing heavily from Randy Pope's book, Insourcing. Let me give credit there to Mr. Uh, Reverend Pope. He's a pastor in Atlanta. The book is called Insourcing by Randy Pope. 
Uh, but there's sort of these five aspects that he talks about. One is truth. The other is equipping. The other is accountability. The other is mission. And the final one is supplication. He'll tell you, he tells you in the books, the reason he used supplication there instead of prayer is that those make an acronym, acronym TEAMS. At least in English they do. TEAMS. All right, so let's, let's walk through what it might look like to meet on a regular basis with a group of people so that disciples are made. You're going to see when we go through this, there are aspects of this currently in our community groups. There's aspects currently in our equip college and career group that meets. Uh, there's aspects, aspects of it in our youth. Uh, there's aspects of this throughout, you know, sort of our world. But, you know, would, would God want us to sharpen those? And this is just, you know, a question. All right, so we start with truth. You can't, you have to have truth. We have to have teaching and preaching. So we, we're learning how to study the Bible. We're spending time weekly studying it. We're, we're, we're massaging the truth until it becomes understandable and usable. That's that equipping part. So that, so that we, we're meeting on a regular basis to massage the truth so that it becomes understandable and usable. Uh, it starts with the, the person preaching that has some application in there. But I think massaging it, all right, means that we meet with a group and we talk about, hey, do I understand this? Hey, how can I apply this? Currently, our community groups, when we do the community group all every other week, first and third weeks of the month, attempt to do that, okay? So it's not like this is a foreign concept to us, but, you know, how does David apply it when he's working at Apple? You know, how does Fernando apply it as she's at home with the kids running a home business? How does Cassie apply it as she's uh, working in our architectural firm? You know, how does Jasmine apply it as she's helping run a, a school? Uh, you, know, what, uh, you know, these are the specifics that we need to hear, right? And kind of work at massaging it, all right? But it starts with truth. Then accountability. It's more than just asking hard questions and challenging bad behavior. Now, in our history, uh, you know, we did a lot of asking hard questions and challenging bad behavior. I'm not saying it's devoid of that, but it, it can become almost exclusively that, like a sin hunting. What's in your heart, brother, sister? Uh, I think we found that you have to be careful for that extreme. You hear me say that I think there can be a place for some of that. But it's, it's, it's looking for that sin beneath the sin. It's inviting one another to invade each other's hearts to clean out the heart. It, it's, 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 it's talking about evidences of grace. It's, I alluded to it early on. It's, it's, it's acknowledging we are all worshipers. And so the question beneath the question can be, hey, why were you afraid Al, before you were going to preach that message last Sunday. And I'm inviting you in, inviting you in. And, you know, David is saying to me, because he's preached here and we will preach here, well, tell me what you were thinking, Al. But not doing it like hunting for sin, just simply helping me. And we may get to the place of, you know what, what's really kind of underneath the surface is I just crave people's approval, which I do. I want everybody to be smiling, shaking as I'm making points, amening me, taking down notes, uh, and, and it's nothing wrong with that, but if that subtly becomes my functional God, eh, you know, even doing a good thing like preaching, I could be worshiping sometimes myself and my craving. Okay, you get that? 
and by the way, uh, when you are doing this, I have found in my life that my fears are, are good because they point me to my cravings. So if I turn my, my fears upside down, if I fear failure, maybe I'm craving success. If I fear bodily harm, maybe I'm craving safety. If I fear financial ruin, maybe I'm craving financial riches. Not always, okay, you hear what I'm saying? We're, we're not telling people this, we're not, aha, I know what it is, David. No, we're, we're just, hey, Lord, help us, teach us. Okay, so that accountability piece. This is where, by the way, I think that gender-specific groups can be more helpful because sometimes what's, you know, the stuff we're talking about just wouldn't be appropriate in mixed company at times, okay? All right, next is mission. So here's where we kind of start talking about training and equipping to become missional in word and deed where we live, work, and play. We're, we're seeking to do that at Palm Vista more and more. We're seeking to highlight champions of the faith who are championing that faith in their, their, their work day. Jasmine gave a testimony. We prayed for her just uh, last month about what she's doing uh, in, in running a school, okay? Helping to run a school. Uh, you know, wh- how are we thinking missionally? Are we thinking of making disciples where we live, where we work, and where we play? Yes, we want to do it in the church. Yes, we want to do it at home. But then we have this mission to do it out there. And, and of course, you know, I include evangelism as part of discipleship because I'm reformed in my theology. God is the one who's elected before the foundations of the earth. So if a person's a non-believer, the first step of discipleship, what do they need? They need to hear the gospel. What do they need to do? Repent and believe by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how, how are we doing that? How are we helping each other? How are we coaching, mentoring, modeling for each other? How, not, not accusing, not putting heavy burdens on each other, but just helping each other walk this out training each other, but missionally, making an impact in our lives, in our world. This includes mercy ministry. This includes a lot of things, okay? Bible studies at Starbucks on a Thursday night. It includes Bible studies at work. It includes, you know, calling people in our neighborhoods or other moms that are, you know, with their kids. It includes professional societies, maybe, that we join so that we can be salt and light. This is where smaller groups where you can really tease this out, help each other, give each other tips, uh, pray for each other. Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, and, and, and yes, and so then, um, I'm so sorry, I missed equipping. Yes, thank you. I saw that in your face. Remember, I'm fallible, okay? <laughs> I did miss the equipping. I, I, I indented it improperly. Let's go back to teaching which is the, the first one, truth, truth. Equipping, that's the massaging. Now we, we just did accountability, then mission, and then finally, we're looking at supplication. Supplication. So, so when, we, when we gather, and this is something we want to grow in, we're trying to grow in it as a church, that we're spending lots of time praying, supplication, so that, so that when I'm in that group uh, where I've had truth, the T, where I've had equipping, how do I massage that truth to live it out, where I've had accountability, where I'm working in my own life and others' life, and seeing the Word of God changing me, and how can it change me, when I've, when I've got a, a, a missional uh, perspective in life, that I'm on mission with the gospel every day of my life, where I live, where I work, where I play, I, I need prayer, man, you know, because I don't want to walk out with just, ugh, but I want to experience the fact that, that it is Christ who works in me by his power. 
you know, his power, his strength, powerfully working in me. So how do we do that? We pray. We pray in the spirit. Today I'm going to be talking about that. We, 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 we pray in the Holy Spirit. We learn how to pray. We're spending time praying. And so, and so I, would just, I would just say to you, I think if you put these things together, then the question is, how? What does that look like? What, what is the pathway to discipleship at Palm Vista? Last week we talked a little bit about it. We're going to tease it out a little bit more. But just by way of review, h- how does this happen? So the truth part, well, you're, you're participating in one of those ways. You're in Bible 45 class. I'm going to go preach a message after this. Um, uh, th- there probably need to be other venues of, of teaching. We, we do have them, right? We have uh, some women's groups that teach right now on the third week of each month. We have men's groups that teach on the fourth week of each month. Uh, we have smaller Bible studies that people are involved in, right? Um, question is, do we need other contexts? And if so, what would they look like at Palm Vista? All right, next, when you look at the equipping. Right now, our main structure for equipping would be community groups. They are normally mixed community groups. They don't meet every week, but we do meet with regularity. And I don't know about your community group, but it's more than just understanding the truth. It can't be less than that, but it's then applying it. That's when we start getting you know, more practical and and it's funny, even in those groups, sometimes we have some accountability. Though I would maintain that that's probably not the best place to have that. It's happened. Someone just breaks down crying and say, look, I need to confess to you guys. I'm doing this, this, and I, help me. But, but perhaps there's another context where we, that can be a little more specific, a little less, you know, we want to guard and respect folks, their privacy in, in, in a good sense. But, but where does that happen? Uh, we have encouraged one-on-one times with folks, okay? And, 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 and that's good. But would there be another context where it could be more systematic, perhaps in a smaller group that meets with more regularity? That's the question. Next, mission. And I think here is probably where, where we're the weakest. This is that sort of that training aspect. I think what we've done in the past at Palm Vista is we've taught, we've preached. And most folks would say the teaching, the preaching here is good. And then we've tried to deploy. So we go right from teaching to deploy. Here, let me teach you how to reach your friends uh, at work. Now go do it. Maybe the, the, the piece that we, we've missed is this intense massaging it, working it through, equipping, and, and really modeling how to do it. The world would call that coaching, mentoring. Um, I think the Bible calls it discipleship. Probably there were the weakest. I'm not sure we have it because you can't do all of this in a community group and community groups, you know, meet every other week when it comes to community group all. So would there be another context for this? It's funny because I think some people have sensed that. I know that there are some groups, some guys have met together maybe for specific reasons and that's good too. Okay. Remember, this isn't either or it's both and. Um, But where is there a place that we could really, really disciple this, equip this, model this? And then do it, right? We've we've kind of had it, but I, I'm just we're asking that question uh, to really for this to really catch fire, and, and and not just catch fire, but do what Jesus did. You know, he took twelve guys, and he poured his life into them, you know, for three and a half years, and he not only taught them, he certainly did that. It's not less than that, but then he modeled it for them. He lived with them. He 
He, he, they watched him do it. They, 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 they saw, and then, then they did it. He sent them to do it. And then they would talk about it. Well, does that demon, why did that demon not come out? You know what? Hey, how do we do this? Hey, don't rejoice that all those things happen when you preach. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, there was real life equipping, discipling, coaching, whatever you want to call it. That, that's a key piece. Key piece. Key piece. And then praying. I think, I think certainly we do pray in our community groups. We want to pray more. We pray on Sunday mornings. But times of prayer. You know, maybe even getting away and praying. Uh, you know, just... But again, it, think about bringing all this together with a small group that's gender specific, that meets for X amount of time, where, we're, where they're really working this through. I mean, the prayers are really focused. Um, and you, you start thinking, all right, you know, what, what does that look like? Um, certainly, another pathway to discipleship at Palm Vista are the ministry teams. Right now, there are people moving around in the hallways setting up. There's people waiting to come into this classroom to set it up for children's ministry. There, David and Jasmine got the coffee. Thank you very much. Uh, there are people setting up the sound. That is part of it. You hear me say that, right? It's not less than that. But then the other piece, you know, the, the, the outreach piece, you know, that, the, the, the going piece. What, what would that look like? What might that look like? Uh, I think if you tie it all together, the pathway to discipleship at Palm Vista, I think there is a pathway. I think there is a goal. I think we do a, a good job of saying this is what a mature believer looks like. And so we're praying about how to intensify that equipping, that, that discipling, that coaching, that that more smaller group with a regular basis uh, that can really get into those areas. Uh, and as we do that as, that, as that, as that develops, that there's a fire then, and here's, here's the key, that then folks are coming out of those groups wanting to do it with others. So it's not just I go to community group and I'm faithful there. <clears throat> That's good, not less than that. But that now I'm actively pursuing discipling others. I am being discipled. I am discipling others. And, and what's the pathway to that? Because when that starts happening, folks, uh, you know, that's called revival. Now, obviously, remember what we started with. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. You can have all these structures in place, but it is God that changes the heart. It is God that fires the soul. It is God that gives us the truth. It is God that builds his church. Uh, but but this, this discipleship, this pathway to discipleship, this, this is something we need to think about, and this class is designed to help us think about it, to encourage us, us where we're doing it, to encourage us to be disciplers, and then hopefully to look at structures where we can really get into each other's lives and coach and mentor and equip and disciple one another. So I'm excited about it. Um, we want to continue to consider what we're discipling. So next week we're going to talk about the gospel. Uh, we're going to talk about, I, I don't want to leave that to like just our assumption, but we're going to really insert that and then take a look at some of these areas that what does it mean to live by grace? What does it leave, mean to live in God's world? What does it mean to know how to defend the faith? We're going to try to do a little bit of that in this class. What does it mean to share the gospel? What does it mean to be able to articulate uh, a, 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 an argument for the existence of God for, for creation and so forth? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you, even as I'm teaching this, I, I am encouraged, I am filled with faith. I, I pray that 
that these who are here this morning and those who would listen to this teaching would be encouraged. Lord, build your church, and specifically because we are part, we are members of Palm Vista, build Palm Vista. Jesus, uh, give us your plan, your way. You've given us the power. You work it in us powerfully, your strength. You've given us your word, the faith once delivered to us. You've given us hope uh, in, in the future, a hope of glory. Lord, I pray that there would just be a joy, a humility, a grace in us, that what we do on this earth in you is not in vain, that we would see it as you see it, Lord, not as the world would see it. And so I thank you for that. Do pray your blessings upon those who are here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.